Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner on St. Patrick's Day in sunny Cincinnati. You're wearing the golf fit today. Better go hit some balls, rock it up, make some plays. St. Patrick's Day, which you love to see. It's St. Patty's, by the way, with two D's, not two T's. Sam Otson, who's Irish, always corrects everyone here at PFF when they spell it St. Patty's. It's not Patty's. It's Patty's. You kind of just said it's it's not patties, <laughs> patties. It's patties. Um, on the catch and early buzz, our Irish last night. Our Irish getting it done right after a minute against Butkers too. Yeah, I, I, you love to see it. I, I think they're gonna they're poised to make a big run in the tourney. That was a second place team in the ACC right there. They're no slouch. Now I, I, uh, I actually I was off Notre Dame basketball for a while. Um, after college, but I'm back. I'm back on the train. Love that. I love that. Well, if the Irish lost, would you have been off the train? No, I'm still on the train. I'm just back on the train. Last night you were telling me that you were going to drive to Indiana at 6 a.m. this morning to play some best. Did you actually do that? Well, that didn't because we moved the podcast up. I was going. You do told me to move the podcast. I know, up. but I'm going to do it after. Oh, okay. So, so you're hitting golf balls, driving to Indiana, play some best. Are you even fucking working today? What the hell is yeah, going on here? Working all day. For what? When? I mean, it's a long day. <laughs> and you only have to work for eight hours to take that box. Um, so. The other piece on the catch and early buzz outside of our Irish winning at the stroke of midnight, the stroke of St. Patty's, uh, we've finalized the menu for Friday. And the guest list is premium. Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco might make an appearance. Mm. Both. Did you reach out to Brandon Marshall? I reached out to Brandon Marshall. Well, he reached out to me. He heard wind. Heard wind? Caught he wind. Pod and asked if he, he heard wind, too. But the guest list is kind of premium, so... We might have to cut some of your friends out, but I'm feeling pretty good. We got so we finalized the menu of tequila sodas with lime, Miller Lights, wings, and you went with chili Cheesy cheese tots. tots? Cheese tots in honor of what? Cincinnati. <laughs> in honor of the great city, sunny Cincinnati. I need you to walk me through the play-by-play of how a crowd of 30 people enjoys chili cheese tots by eating them. <laughs> That's the play-by-play. So they're gonna be Dip sticking their fingers in, in there. Yeah, I mean, you make a plate. You got a spoon in the chili cheese tots that you then fork onto your spoon. Are you handing plate. out a bunch of glass plates? Not glass plates. What paper plates? You ever been oh, to? Oh, so you're buying party? paper plates now, too? I own paper plates. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm interested to see how this plays out because I'm doubting you. Okay. But you are going to the golf course today, so that's where you're getting the wings and cheesy tots. Yeah. So you're pulling through. It's all work. It's all working up itself. Yeah. The only two major signings to, to jump on here on the catch and early buzz that we heard wind of and caught wind of, Von Miller. Signs a six-year, $120 million contract I'm with the Buffalo did, yeah. Bills. I'm, I'm hearing that. that. I'm hearing that. <laughs> six-year, $120 million contract with the Buffalo Bills. I think, essentially, it's a three-year contract with how the guarantees are baked in, and it's very similar APY, average salary per year, as Chandler Jones yeah. at the 17.5 mark. So I think a lot of... I was, I was about to say a lot of casuals. That's kind of fucked. A lot of fans, I think Buffalo Bills fans, are like, are you serious? You're going to sign Von Miller through his like year 38, year 39 season? That's insane. It's like there's 0% chance. I'll say it right now. 0% chance he plays through that six-year contract without a restructure. Without a restructure, there's a 0% chance. I think this is largely the a heavy guaranteed mark, deals. The 120 mark was as fake as Taysom Hill's 140 mark. Exactly. Whatever, exactly. A couple of years, last year that he signed. So, yeah, it's like you said, three years, $52 million. The interesting thing to me and the sort of takeaway from this, and I know the Bills have been heavily trying to fix their pass rush or get a pass rush. The last three years, their first-round pick, not first-round pick, their first pick in the draft has been along the defensive line, and their second pick last year was also along the defensive line. They need guys to get after the passer, need to get better in that regard to beat the elites in the AFC, which they haven't gotten over the hump yet. So 
respect that from Brandon Bean. Obviously a big investment. But the interesting thing to me here is how much teams nowadays, and some of this I think is COVID-related, and the fact that that kind of threw a wrench in a lot of teams' plans in terms of how they projected the cap out and how they projected these contracts. But so many teams are willing to do these all-in sort of deals. Like it, Just think about eight or so years ago, talking about void years, talking about um, teams signing these and taking on massive dead cap hits at the end of contracts was didn't exist. Like people didn't want to do that. It wasn't a thing that happened regularly. And now you have the Packers, the Bills, the Chiefs, literally like all the top contenders. The Saints are obviously wrote the book on it, willing to do these deals that they know they're going to take a bath on afterwards. They know it's going to hurt them the year after these guys leave. You know, when Breeze retires, when Brady retires, when Rodgers retires, those teams are going to take, like they're going to be paying Rodgers the, the year he retires. They're going to be paying him a full salary yeah. the next season to not be on the team. So I think it's interesting to me that how many more teams are willing to do this and maximize their windows. And we talk about a copycat league. That to me is the biggest trend I'm seeing league-wide that like Von Miller, this deal, once he's not on that team, is not going to be ideal for them, but... Teams are willing to, more willing to do that, so take the hit down the road for the immediate payoff here. Adam Schefter later reported that the six-year deal includes $51.5 million guaranteed, $34 million fully guaranteed at signing. Like, that's less than 50% of the deal, right? Like, you're going to see this deal and then be able to cut bait probably once we see the final you know, structuring of it after year three, right? Like, I don't think you're going to be entering year four with a ton of dead money on Vin, uh, on Von Miller. Honestly, I think the rest of that money could probably be cut and it'll be more optional when he gets to that point. The other signing, and it's not as big or as notable, but I found it interesting. It's Miles Jack goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I, like, I like that signing for them, especially only $8 million per. Would you rather have had Miles Jack at a two-year $16 million deal? Deal or Foyer Luikin at the deal that he has right now. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm leaning Miles Jack. I mean, Jack. I do know. Yeah, <laughs> it's Miles Jack. Now, they didn't have his best year last year, but still young. And it, it is interesting, though. He fell in the second round because he had that meniscus issue that was supposed to be like a ticking time bomb. Oh, that's and right. And like yeah. no one talks about it. No, anymore. you're so right. It's so weird how stuff like that happens where it's like, same with, uh, to a lesser degree, Javon Clowney's name. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, yeah, th there was that report when David Clowney was getting drafted that he had like the, the knees of like a 60 year old or something. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's but over. That actually has come back to roost like that, that to a, We'll talk about that a little later. Actually, someone asked about Javon Clowney. I do think he is slowing down because of that, but miles Jack's knee is just like, you haven't heard about it since it's so weird how sometimes that stories get overblown come draft time. And then all of a sudden you never hear about them. That's it for the Catch and Only Buzz. St. Patty's Day, our Irish with a big dub. Von Miller, Miles Jack taking signings. And we got tequila sodas, Miller Lights, Wings, and Cheesy Tots. Someone sent me a DM, and honestly, I felt personally attacked. Okay. Said, Austin, you're almost 30. No, he said you're in your 30s, which I'm not. I'm only 27. Uh-oh. He said, you're in your 30s. If you make a jungle juice, you're an idiot. <clears throat> and honestly, I felt like personally attacked. Like personally attacked. So... I, 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 we are not making a jungle juice. So I'll never suggest it again. Like, I just won't. I just won't. I'm not in, in my 30s, but it's close enough. In college, one time we made jungle juice with, instead of like the fruit punch mix, we used a whole jar of pre-workout instead. The whole, the whole thing. That was, that got a little out of hand. That probably was, I'm lucky to be alive. What's your worst, what's your worst concoction? I made a root beer float. So I made root beer floats and yeah. then poured Captain in it. 
Okay. And it was awful because <laughs> it just made the ice cream taste like Captain. It was like yeah. the worst. It was on Halloween I, too. It was horrendous. I don't love those ice cream alcohol mixes. I would rather do a shot and enjoy my ice cream, you know, like the whole buzzed creameries or whatever they're called. Not a fan. Those two don't need to be mixed. But I did one time a SoCo, Southern Comfort and Orange Juice, because it was the only two things we had. That was tough to get down. And and it was like, that was all we had. So I, at that point, I had to drink it. Did not enjoy it. That was probably the worst. Let's get to this mailbag. Before we do, this podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. The presenting sponsor is Manscaped. I used Manscaped last night. I got And I got in a good place. I'm feeling good today for it. And someone reached out and said, I want a draft guide. Would you, if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, send me a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can get access to a free draft guide. I'm giving 50 away next week when the new one launches on Monday. He said, hey, guess what? I clap every time you say, can I get a round of applause on the Manscaped read? That's a, oh, that's a lifer. That's, that's a draft, draft guide. guide that's a draft guide. You think it doesn't matter what your review says? If you make me laugh, it gives you an edge. It definitely gives you an edge. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? Oh, I hear it in the back. Is that Quinn or is that Alyssa? Who knows? Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair routine for the kit. Kit. For the everyday man that covers you from head to toe, literally. Unless you're Mike Renner and you bite off your own fucking toenails. Manscaped is trusted below the waist and now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF. I'd recommend using the products in this order. Hop in the shower and scrub it up, dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Lather your hair up with the 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin togging. Togging up. I'm looking up togging. I'm tired of talking about it. What does togging mean? To dress or clothe Togged herself in ski pants. No, it's just, this isn't it. This isn't it. I'm calling out Manscaped. Togging, we need to remove it from the read. It doesn't make any sense. Keep my noggin anything else. I want my noggin fresh. Fresh and smelling good. I guess it doesn't rhyme. Dry off and spray with the hydrating, hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Put the Manscaped deodorant on for obvious reasons. Pop the Manscaped lip balm on. No one is here kissing up chat lips. Getting dressed after is optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now at a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Do you use the ball deodorant? Yes. Not regularly, but... Semi-occasionally. Semi-occasionally. Gotcha. Moving to uh, the mailbag. This is from Joko Ba. It stops now. He's had an extra. I did have to. I it did stops to. now. This guy is cheating the system. How is he always the first guy too? Who is Joko Ba? One of the is Mac is Max, Max Chadwick Joko Ba? Is Max Chadwick Joko Ba? Producer here on the pod. We need to find it out. Who is a day two or day three option for the Chargers to compliment Austin Eckler? Why are you? If you're the Chargers and you're a Chargers fan, Joko Ba, fuck running back on day two. You don't need a compliment to. Austin Eckler on day two. Go get valuable positions. You're in a window right now. Go make some plays. It, it, when you're in a window, knowing that you have to go get Justin Herbert the bag in the next two years, you need to be drafting with all of your day one and day two picks off of the tackles, pass rushers, corners, and receivers. Every single one. Hoping that you hit. What? I, don't, I disagree. What do you mean you disagree? I, at some point, it's like you have to weigh the fact that this guy might not be good at that position no but okay you're gonna tell me there's a running back and you have a bunch of corners you still have to fill out a roster especially i'm not spending a day one or day two pick on a non-value position off the chargers period 
Okay. Uh, I just, I guess I disagree. Um, Damian Pierce is the guy I would love because he's a compliment size-wise to Austin Eckler. He's like 220 pounds. And he's a very good pass protector is the other thing. He is, I mean, you watch him at the Senior Bowl, that guy gets after it. Great locker room guy. Ask anyone in Florida and is used to splitting carries. So Damian Pierce, Florida running back, that's who I'd highlight as the compliment to Austin Eckler. Big personality too. Justin Herbert's an introvert. He can bring out yeah. a little bit, you know. Be a locker room leader. He yeah. can be his voice piece. Voice box. There you go. Voice box. Irishman nine hundred. Who's the guy that made you totally reevaluate a position because you whiff so badly? What's the early what's the easiest position to scout? So it's a two parter. I think Deion Jones is one, the LSU linebacker coming out, obviously with the Falcons now, just in terms of valuing athletes at the linebacker position and what they can become in the NFL. And I'd also say the same thing on kind of the opposite side for tight end, Hunter Bryant, the Washington tight end. Don't undersize tight ends have no place in the NFL unless you are an elite athlete, then you're a wide receiver. So undersized tight ends are wide receivers. Don't treat them differently than that. Wait, what? Undersized tight ends are wide receivers. They better be able to be a wide receiver if they're an undersized tight end. If you're, if you're, if you're not, you're not, you're not bringing a lot to the table in the NFL. So easiest position to scouts, I think offensive tackle is at least easy to identify the guys that can succeed. Now, obviously, no position is like a one to one. Oh, this is easy, but I think offensive tackle. And I also would say running back, just because, again, the athletes are easy to identify. You know, 225 pounds running a 4-4 at running back. And then you're breaking tackles at the collegiate level. It's usually a good path to success in the NFL. So I, I do think those two positions. Now, not again, it's not necessarily saying you're going to have perfect hit rate, but it's just identifying those guys isn't as difficult as maybe other positions. I do feel with off the tackle and edge, what you get, it's two of the positions that have the highest percentage of high, graded plays at PFF because you're seeing a lot one -on of one-on-ones, seeing them win or lose, a lot of binary situations. And it's also two of the positions where athleticism correlates to success and like key measurables correlate to success in the NFL. Like there's obvious, obvious measurable thresholds. Those two positions, not, not need to meet, but almost have to meet. I don't even know if that's different. But a lot of them meet, like a high percentage of them meet these thresholds if they're going to be talented or successful in the NFL. This is from Blake Swag 11. What's positive for the Seahawks from the rust trade? <laughs> is there potential Pete can get True Lock to be good? Should Seattle take a QB or BPA? Also, where should Tra where would Trask, Mond, and Mills rank in this draft? One, we didn't talk about the Seahawks social media at all about how they just like dogged Russell Wilson. So they come out with those three statements from, you know, the coach, the GM and, and whoever, and all of them mention that he wanted to leave Seattle. And then Seahawks PR sends out that thank you to one of the best Seahawks quarterbacks in franchise history, when he's mm -hmm. obviously the best in franchise history. The shade thrown at Russell Wilson on his way out was honestly spectacular. They did I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Tweet out that Wilson clip from, gosh, what was the movie? Tom Hanks, Wilson. Uh, well said. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that a thousand movie. times. But okay, it's called Castaway. Castaway. There you go. That, that was pretty good. But the positive is that I, I think you. This is the 
we'll see you might be getting a new regime here soon which is probably a good thing considering how they've ran that franchise the past half decade um is there a potential he can get drew lock to be good i don't think so I, there's always potential never say never and i do think the sort of wide receiver talent there fits where drew lock wins but i it, I don't, I don't buy it. So should Seattle take QB or BPA? I think BPA because, again, you're not going to be good. This is not a great roster. You're not a great roster, and you don't have a great quarterback. There's a very high chance you draft in the top five and can get a quarterback in next year's draft. And, again, when you're not a great roster and you throw a rookie quarterback into not a great roster, what are the chances he's going to develop into a great player? I think you got to build that, build up some semblance of infrastructure first. Um, and then go from there. So you have picks now. Didn't have a lot of picks before. You have picks now. Do that. Uh, so the should see how they. So where would Trask, Mond, and Mills rank in this draft? I put Trask and Mills between Ritter and Corral. So one, two, th- Corral's QB four, Ritter's QB three. I'd put Trask and Mills in that range in this class. And then I put Mon behind all the guys in this class, all the top guys in this class. I was not a big Kelmon fan. I will also say this, though. Positive for the Seahawks. From 2010 to 2012, they drafted Russell Okun, Earl Thomas, Golden Tate, Cam Chancellor, KJ Wright, Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell, Bruce Irvin, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, J.R. Sweezy. The best drafting stretch in NFL history. It can be done and done quickly. Like I said, three years to get the single greatest collection of like rookie contract talent <laughs> that like has existed. So that's a positive for us. Half of that draft is successful for some teams. They even get half of those guys. Yeah. You get one of those guys. So if you got came away from three consecutive drafts with Russell Kuhn, Richard Sherman, and Bobby Wagner, you're a good drafting GM. This was an unprecedented stretch. And then they started trading all their picks away. This is the ultimate cope tweet, though. What's positive of the trade? You know, not much if you're looking to be Super Bowl competitive. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's like if you want your roster to be good right now. Then is there potential Pete can get Drew Locke to be good? That's your desperado right there. That is desperado. Hey, Blake Swag, you want some positive trade news for Seattle? You just got Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. I Jesse Winker's an all-star. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. Reds have all-stars? Yes. Wow. No, well, not anymore. Wow. So I saw a lot of, Quinn, maybe speak to this, a lot of Reds fodder on the timeline. Are people upset at the Reds' decision-making right now? People are very upset. Because they're not, it looks like they were going to go full fire sale and try to rebuild. Mm-hmm. But now they're like signing guys and the manager saying like, oh, we're getting better in a weird way. I, I, nobody knows what they're doing. God damn it's it. It's very frustrating. Cincinnati Positive news though, uh, tickets are about to be really cheap this summer. Yeah, we need that. a lot of games. A lot of Brewers games. We yep. need that. We need that. This is from Nico030698. The Packers historically draft younger players and good athletes. So why do people keep mocking them redshirt seniors and non-athletes? Who are some realistic options at 28? Yeah, they they do. They do historically. But Clay Matthews was a redshirt senior. Dayton Jones, Demarius Randall were seniors, senior bowl guys. So it's not unprecedented. It's not like they have hard cutoffs. They probably just value age more than other teams. So I do think like I'm Octon Bernard Raymond. 
I don't think that's unrealistic for them, considering. And he's a good athlete. He's a high-end athlete. I don't think it's unrealistic, even though, even if he is 24 years old. Because when they did draft a guy like Demarius Randles, because he was sort of new to football. He actually, he played baseball his freshman year in college. He started off playing baseball at a junior college, then transferred to play football at a junior college. Weird career arc. He actually DM'd me once and told me he was going to make uh, $50 million and... That one didn't end up coming to fruition. Damn, I like that confidence though. <laughs> Why did he fire DM at you like that? Were you he asked talking me for shit? His grade. He asked me. For, he just asked me for his grades, and I sent him back his grades. And he's like, "I'm the only corner with that grade that's going to get a fifty million dollar contract." And I was like, "Good luck, man." Jeez, know you know who, you know who consistently texted me and asked me for grades early in his career because I interviewed him before the draft it was yeah. Max Crosby. Oh, yeah. Max Crosby every game was like, "Man, hey." What's my grade? How, where can I get better? And all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And now, obviously, he didn't ask for his grade this year. We tweeted out probably a billion times because he was a freaking monster. All right, this is from Beast. Oh, I was going to say, realistic options, though. So if you want younger athletes, the, the one I keep going back to, that pipe dream, Jameson Williams with the injury um, could fall to that range. He would qualify as a younger athlete. Uh I do think Raymond is a realistic option. He's an athlete, not younger. I don't think they're going to look linebacker. I do think Travis Jones could qualify for them. Not younger, but an athlete. After that, those are probably the three I'd highlight from the top group. Beast, one, two, two, four. After a disappointing combine, why isn't Burks being compared to a bigger Jalen Rager? That is aggressive. That is a death knell. It, it, I will say that's a similar sort of combine to Jalen Rager. Really? In terms of expectations versus reality. Remember he came in that year as like, I'm going to beat Henry Ruggs. I'm going to run faster than him. And he showed up looking, and Sam even said Burks looked not in great shape at 225. Like, he's 225 pounds, but it wasn't a. It didn't look like AJ Brown looks at 225 pounds. It didn't look like DK Metcalf looks. He's not a shredded. No one looks pounds. like DK Metcalf at 225. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But he was not a shredded 225. He was a thick 225. Jalen Rager came to the combine what two 205, and it was like it was not a good 205. And yeah, he was trying to break and, the record the record for 40, and it was just and not he ran like a four four something, which is I mean it's still good enough speed, whatever. But it was not so combine wise. Yes. On, and on field, I'm not like I don't hate it too much. Yeah. So I'll say it. Burks is a bigger challenge. So I have a thing about I have a thing about player comparisons. Yeah. So mockdraftable.com. If you follow the draft, you've probably seen screenshots of these spider charts that go out on Twitter. Some people even send them out on IG. It's actually done completely free by a guy who just likes following the data, right? It's not a paid site by any means. It's a fantastic website. It's mockdraftable.com. I've talked to him on Twitter a handful of times. But he's like, yeah, I just like to do it, which is incredible because it's a fantastic resource. Mm -hmm. But something they do beyond giving percentiles at positions and, and, and things along those lines is they do give player comps or player comp suggestions based on the athletic measurables, right? The, me the height, weight, and then all the athleticism. His top measurables are Brian Quick, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, Bennett Skoranek, a fellow Golden Domer, Laquan Treadwell, Josh Gordon, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Zach Pascal, Matt Collins. Now, here's the thing about player comps. If you like Traylon Burks, you're like, yeah, I do see a lot of Josh, Josh Gordon, Gordon and Traylon Burks. 
If you don't like Traylon Burks, she's like, you know what? He kind of does remind me of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. That's why I do think you have to lean into stylistic player comps more so than if you're actually looking to like pure highway compare a player on what they look like on Sundays kind of like you do need to factor in weight to a certain degree but I like comps more like a smaller Jalen Rager where you're trying to make more of a stylistic comp than necessarily hey, hey he's like an 83 percent of what Brian Quick was and like the, or whatever like there <laughs> I just don't think you're gonna you're gonna match what you know, people are looking for on comps I agree I, I do think comps should be tape based uh, pure athletic comps are doing it wrong in my opinion tape-based comps versus athletic comps but i love that like i've seen some people on twitter who are like i'm still really high on jalen burks i think he can be josh gordon in the nfl it's like josh gordon was a unicorn a literal unicorn anyway moving off of that we go to ethan Waugh. What info is shared between scouts, and is there any info withheld at the combine? Also, what questions are prospect asked in interviews? Do all teams share the streamlined scouting process? So th- there is actually so share between scouts. It's like not sure what he's exactly getting at, but there is medical information on these guys is shared in database. I am fairly certain that they get everyone gets when there is like medical data it all goes into team systems on these guys so is there any info with health combine i'm not exactly certain what that means but like if you have nuggets on guys that you think are valuable in terms of like you found it via your research that stuff does not get shared i am fairly certain so what questions are prospects asked in interviews we went through some some of these with like a lot of them it depends on where they're at in the interview process and who they're talking to right if you're talking to a scout and they're doing like general background a lot of it's like what does your mom do what does your dad do and like all these like simple background questions not necessarily like you know like interview questions at google or it's like if you're in a vacuum and blah blah blah. it's not like necessarily that kind of stuff it's more like who you are where you're from what you what you're passionate about how much do you love football what other sports did you play do you have any key injuries like a lot of like simple simple stuff and then there are other interviews right as you get with coaches and gms where they're asking you more about like what role do you want to play and and what where do you feel most comfortable we drew up these five plays for you can you walk us through what you saw and like all that kind of stuff a lot of it as well a lot of the stuff the biggest stuff that they glean is whiteboard Mm mm-hmm stuff so like here draw up your favorite coverage yeah. what are your, your responsibilities here what's his responsibility there what's That's the coverage on this play yeah. what were you doing here what were you doing here a lot of, a lot of the most intimidating questions talking to some of these players is they ask you like what were you doing here and like you could be like just completely shitting the bed mm-hmm. aiden was telling me aiden hutchinson was telling me that there are times where like you just throw they throw up a play and you just like get dogged like you just get like yeah. thrown on the ground and like what happened <laughs> and you're like dude i just got fucked mm-hmm. and they do like weigh in like how you respond to that, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, that guy was cheating the whole way or whatever. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to be. And yeah, it's making your fault and all that stuff. No one wants to hear that. But do all teams share the same streamlined scouting process? No. That is, scouting processes are different via team to team. As we've talked about, like the Rams, they, they don't send their scouts on the road as much as other teams. And some teams love having their scouts on the road. road. Some teams are super tape-driven and could give a shit about analytics. And some teams have big thresholds that they will employ and take a lot of guys off their board because of it. So yeah, it's very much that's why it's what makes it so fun. Oh, I think I skipped a question. This is from Greg Papelbaum. Why such a disparity between Ryan Jensen's PFF grade and how O line guys view in media in media view him? Duke Mayweather, Brandon Thor, Jeff Schwartz had him as a first team all pro despite being twelfth in grade. I will say this. I was having this conversation with someone recently. Okay. PFF grades 
are so much more descriptive than they are, is this guy good or is this guy bad? Like Ryan Jensen is an all-pro caliber offensive lineman, right? And being low in PFF grade over a stretch of games or whatever, I don't does not mean he's now not an all-pro caliber offensive lineman. I do think that they often are billed or marketed as like this end-all, be-all, like you're either a good player or a bad player depending on your PFF grade. Ryan Jensen's career PFF grade is probably like top three among centers, right? And I do think that in a single season, right, where all pros are given to like how you perform in a single season, I do think that like, you could let it like, oh man, you should give it to someone else. I, I just think they're too often seen as like, oh, if he has a 68.4 PFF grade, PFF thinks he sucks. It's like, no, this is how he graded in an advanced charting process over a series of games or a season. I think, I, th- I just, I hate when people immediately say, oh, he only has a 69 point grade. He's, he's trash. It's like, that's not who he is. It's what he did over the series of game mm-hmm. over a season. And I will also, I'll add to that, that the grading system for offensive line particularly is far more loss based in terms of the more you lose the le- the high better chance your grade is going to go down now offensive line men and like even in the scouting process you value high end reps where like that are big wins more so than you will maybe downgrade a guy for losses so we do not value high end reps it is purely a grading especially in pass protection you do not get positive grades in pass protection if you did your job in pass protection, you did your job. You got zero. If you lost pass protection, though, you lost. So he had 27 pressures allowed this past year. That was a fairly high number for a center. That's why he's going to have a lower PFF pass blocking grade. But he also has a lot of higher end reps in pass pro than your average center, which is why you're going to see, like I said, other offensive line guys be higher on him. I, I also feel, though, I think Duke, Duke Mayweather, Brandon Thorne, Jeff Schwartz are all phenomenal offensive line evaluators, like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But how often are they talking about a stretch of plays or a stretch of games, right? They're talking about the player. It's like Ryan Jensen is yeah. a top center in the NFL. Yeah. And every time I watch his tape, I see that. And you will. Like there are and you will, right? But I don't I, I haven't I don't remember a tweet from any of those guys where they said, hey, this game it wasn't Ryan Jensen's game. Or that you know, on a top player yeah. not having a good game. If he allows like six pressures, they're not showing that data or showing that film. They're more often saying, wow, these are more examples of why Ryan Jensen's a top five player, which is great. Again, I think they're all fucking phenomenal. But I do think that they're more interested in telling you if a player is good or bad, which is great, rather than saying, over the last four games, he's allowed 18 pressures, which, like, that's what PFF does. PFF's more descriptive in what has happened over the last X games or yeah. whatever it may be. This is from Rodinger. Rodinger? How would you pronounce that? Raydinger? Oh, shit. I forgot to get to the Rodney Rivers part of this. Let's save this one. Save this one for next week. Okay. I, I screwed it up. Well, but now we'll never know. Rodinger. Rodinger? This is from Badger243. You had Emmanuel Ogba behind Davion Clowney and Randy Gregory. Why? Okay, the, the Clowney one, I don't know. I was floored when we had him as high as we did in the free agent rankings because of, like I said at the top, I think he's, I don't think he's the same guy, and I don't think he's getting any better. I, I do think his knee is, so he had microfracture surgery coming out, which which is not a reversible process. Like, it means your knee is getting worse and will not get better. It means you're basically creating scar tissue in your knee to act as your meniscus. So it's not a good thing to have, and that's why it was such a big deal for him coming out, and it's just a degenerative issue where it's only going to slow him down. And I think he has slowed down, and so we were fairly high on him. Where we have him in our in our 14th? I I think his contract is going to sign this upcoming offseason. is going to be a lot lower than that. So that one I didn't get. Randy Gregory, though, I would suggest going back and watching what he did this past year. At his high end, 
And this was obviously his only his first real year of playing a full season of football. But he is a unique length speed combination that it's tough. It's tough to block. And he was beating left tackles in the NFL, which we've said a lot. Like the difference between guy who rushes off left tackles, guy who rushes off right tackles. I'm taking the guy who rushes off left tackles 10 times out of 10 if he's producing at the same level because they're the NFL still puts their best guy on the left side nine times out of 10. So he was killing good tackles at times. To me, that's the guy you want is the guy who's capable of those kind of high-end plays. So Randy Gregory, um, to me, I would have rather had him than even like Von Miller, Chandler Jones this offseason because of the age, because of what he could be the, over the coming years. This is from Wuhan. Why does PFF view Derek Stingley Jr., the LSU cornerback, as a top three player in this class after his last two years? Also, Liz Frank is a bad injury for someone at cornerback, and Sauce has been amazing. So the Liz Frank thing, it's it's not a death knell. Julio Jones had a Liz Frank in 2013, I believe. Le'Veon Bell had a Liz Frank at the start of his career. And like those guys have obviously gone on and dominated since. So it's not 100%. It's not... It could be. I mean, it definitely could be. That's why you're going to have to see medical rechecks. But I was assuming he gets a clean bill of health, and I think he is going to work out at some point pre-draft. If he does test well, I'm not too worried about it. And then top three player in this class after his last two years. I, I think his last two years, the tape itself has been overblown. He actually allowed fewer yards per coverage snap the last two years than he did as a true freshman. He allowed under a 50% completion percentage still in the SEC. Like, there are effort concerns the last two years. There are not how good is he concerns the last two years. Effort and injury concerns. There was He did not play exceedingly worse football than he did as true freshman. He just had reps where it's like, what's he, what's he doing out there? That was not his best. So the talent didn't go anywhere is why he's still a top three player in his class. It's just... It wasn't as it wasn't the career progression you'd expect from a guy who's as good at, for just like anyone in college. You expect guys to get better, and he kind of just was the same guy. P Buck eighty one. Is it safe to say the Patriots could look at defense at twenty one? I, I really hate that this man wasted his question on such a such a tame, it's so tame, such a tamer. P Buck eighty one. We need more from you. Go go back do. and edit your question. You can get another one in there. Cause, no, because no, yes, you can't encourage that behavior. <laughs> Joko Ba has been doing that for weeks, months. It is safe to say. Uh, that is very safe to say, and it's also safe to say. I think they should trade back with where they're at and where they probably will be looking. The guys I would highlight. If they do trade back, or even if they stay there, uh, that I think they could be interested on the defense side of the ball. I've said Leo Chanel to them a thousand times at this point. I think Travis Jones is the type of defensive tackle that they would draft. They've drafted DT a lot early on in drafts. And then if they are going to go the cornerback route, Kyler Elam, Kyir Elam, Andrew Booth, I think could both be fits for them. So I, I do think, though, that they are, like I said, a strong trade candidate, either up or back. Breaking news here. Not necessarily breaking news, but I do think it's it's lead it's a leading indicator of something. The Saints creating yes. a ton of cap space. Yeah, the Saints are creating a ton of cap space. They officially restructure Taysom Hill contracts among others. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, Demario Davis, Bradley Roby, all now they were like sixty million under the cap. Now they're thirty million over the cap as trade talks heat up for Deshaun Watson. 
That the, is. The I did Falcons see a wording of a tweet that I wanted to comment on with yeah. Sean Watson. When team when he the Pro Football Talk said something along the lines of he was you know Sean Watson was really impressed with all four presentations from the NFL teams. Is that not wild to think that these teams are presenting to Deshaun Watson? Like presenting like like. Like There's what are they PowerPoint. showing? Like the restaurants in fucking New Orleans? Like I, I don't know. I, I I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I didn't know teams would present together, uh, to teams. I I thought the negotiations with teams was more. I mean, I, I guess it is different for a quarterback. But like, this is how much we're going to pay you. <laughs> we're going to pay you this much money. I guess yeah. his contract is largely in place. So I guess you do have to kind of get into maybe the the restaurant scene or whatever. I don't know. I, I thought the presentation aspect. Is it a Prezi? Is it a PowerPoint? Is this Google Slides? Are you bringing someone in? Are you bringing like a New Orleans legend? Atlanta legend, you getting what food are you catering into this meeting? He did have the three three meetings with the Saints, Browns, and Panthers in Houston. He had the one meeting with the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta. That's where um, I don't know. I, I, the presentation aspect just feels like wild to me that he's getting like he's. I, I just just I just couldn't put my head around it. I just can't wrap my head around it. Uh, PG for three, second favorite college and NFL teams. You said you have Wisconsin as your second favorite team. I grew up a Wisconsin fan oh, more wow. so than even Notre Dame. Uh, I was actually a Notre Dame fan until my brother, oldest brother, went there, and I started following them. But I was a Wisconsin fan. I, I remember the like the string of Rolls Bowls that they kept losing, crushed me. the the Wisco the Wisco Russ Wilson team, that was probably like my last time I really was into Wisconsin. The one that lost to the one that lost in a hail mary to like was that Michigan Andy Dalton? State. And then they lost TCU in the bowl game. Yeah, Thanks. Andy Dalton, that was brutal. Tank Carter, oh. So that's my second favorite college team, second favorite NFL team, hometown Bengals. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, Bengals is obviously my second favorite NFL team now being in Cincinnati for five years. It'll be five years in May. When I left San Diego State, I remember telling all my friends, I'll be at PFF in Cincinnati for like a year. I'm coming back. There's no way I'm going to be in the Midwest. Now I'm here for five years living yeah. with your dumb ass, eating chili seven. cheese tots on St. Patty's. I'm going to put a gun to my head. I might put a gun to my head. My second favorite college team is definitely Cal. I was a group of Cal fan. I live really close to Cal. I was going to go to Cal if it wasn't so expensive, but San Diego State, obviously, we are Aztecs. We are legends, which we are beating Creighton in round one. We're favored by two and a half. And here's the upset of the bracket. Here's the upset of the bracket. Kansas, round of 32. Good night, San Diego State. Now, if we lose to Creighton, I'm going to burn our whole fucking office to the ground, but um, we need that. We need that. This next one's from Gail's dad's name. Before we get to Gail's dad's name's question, I'm going to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by Western Southern. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get westernsouthern.com. No, get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Speaking of chili cheese tots, St. Patty's Day, in addition to being a yearly reminder that you can drink a lot yeah. and drink green beer. It's also a yearly reminder that Skyline Chili in Cincinnati creates an absolute abomination. Green chili. An abomination green every single year. Quinn, I think you have it queued up for those watching on YouTube. Look at this absolute disaster. They are lucky that they have so much cheese on that that you can't see the color of those noodles. You can see it kind of hinting. That's real. You can go order that at a Skyline Chili today. I might. No, you won't. No, I'm not, because I'm actually... How much would I have to Venmo you for to get it, to eat it? Oh, no. Oh, and, and let me videotape it. No, so... For TikTok, so green, 50 bucks. So green food coloring makes oh, yeah. me puke. Yeah, that's right. I, I realized that at some point in college, when every year 
I would puke. And it was not, I wouldn't be like too drunk. I would just be like, oh man, I don't feel good. That's not green food coloring though. They buy the noodles that That's way. Different. They grow the noodles that way. <laughs> no, those old, those noodles are just 10 years old. <laughs> no, it's I something about it. I don't know what bucks. it is. But... 100 bucks, you eat it on for a TikTok. I... It's worth the puke. Dude, that's not I'll worth it. I'll do it for 100 bucks. At, at my age, not, not much is worth the puke. God damn it. Maybe we'll get- You'll understand when you get to my age. Oh yeah, eventually. Gail's dad's name. Could Antonio Johnson go top 15 in 2023? Any plans to hit up Texas A&M next year? Yes, I'll answer the second question. We want to get to College Station next year. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to see the twelfth man do the yes, the, the weird thing they do the night before, where he's telling bad jokes. Oh my god, that video gets me every time. Hmm. Antonio Johnson. So he's a slot cornerback who played slot this past year at Texas A&M. Sophomore. I don't know if I saw a top fifteen type of athlete, but he does have a unique frame, and he is, like I said, still young. So could continue to grow into that. But six three, two hundred. So that's like a, a safety, though. So top 15 for a safety, big call to make. Could, yeah. I think he's very talented, for sure. But right now, I probably wouldn't put him in that mix. We need, to get, we need to get more proactive about... But he played very well last year. The, uh, Tresh is all cake in his pants for this cat. Really? Antonio Johnson? Him the best DB in college football coming back. So. Wow. Antonio Johnson, it's XAM. We need to be more proactive with... Getting the listeners involved in planning the tour next year. I don't know how we do it, but like last Loading. year, we just kind of planned it ourselves. This year, I feel like we have to get people involved. Have, Quinn, any ideas? Alyssa, any ideas? Vote. Like put out like a like polls a on graphic. social. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instagram polls. Instagram polls. Yeah, IG polls. IG polls. TikTok polls. But then we so knowing our fans, like if I put you like some games, we have to lock in. Yeah. We can't have. I can't be getting sent anywhere other than Notre Dame, Ohio State, Week One. We have to go back to Ohio you know? State so we can do the. Or maybe it's just that? like vote for your school, and we'll come to the school at some point. Yeah. So oh, whoever gets their school voted for the most, we'll find a game. We'll go to it. Well, I'll think about it more. Like but that. if you have ideas, drop it in the YouTube channel. We can see the comments, or drop it in an Apple Podcast, Spotify review. Because we need we need ideas. We have to go do a Dunkaroo at Ohio State next year, though. Yeah. One of us has to do a Dunkaroo. Did we explain Dunkaroos on the pod? I think we did when we went to Ohio State. But a Dunkaroo is where you do a cake stand for as long as you can. And then someone hits you in the face, right? Or is there more than that? <laughs> Something along those lines. You get splashed with water. Yeah. Splash with ice water. Yeah. It's not great, but I think we need to do it for the pod. Yeah. They got the street meat at Ohio State, too. The street meat at Ohio State is absolute lava. The fact that more places don't. Cincinnati needs up their street meet game we're getting off on some tangents here but i tell did i tell you we went over this dating dating app idea yeah have i told the listeners though no. i think Alyssa, i need your i need your take on this <clears throat> quinn too so the struggle with dating apps right okay. is that whether it's hinge tinder whatever you're working on you can't you know if you're you're allowed you're, you fall into this purgatory of just messaging back and forth to someone like you legitimately don't know and don't care about hey how are you doing well what do you do i don't care you just go through this back and forth where nothing ever happens and if you do get too forward and say something along the lines of let's grab coffee let's grab drinks maybe too soon they could see it as being weird or whatever and then you end up just not meeting whatever and that's maybe just me but if <laughs> you lower if you lower this barrier of like if you ask to go get drinks before you ask me what i do for work and what my horoscope is if you lower this barrier of like how weird that is, I think there's legs. So the app is you're only allowed X amount of messages before you can't talk anymore. It's over. And you in the app, it's like connected to Google Maps. You can set a public place where you could meet. And it's like leans into this idea of like you only have a handful of messages to exchange numbers or meet somewhere. And now if you change numbers, that obviously moves you a little bit more forward or Snapchat or whatever. I don't Snapchat. Then the name of the app, this is courtesy of Mitch Kaiser. Shout out to an intern here at PFF and also a good buddy of ours. 
Rendezvous. Alyssa, immediate reactions. I know Mike's reaction. He has a girlfriend. Whatever. Alyssa. I love the name of it, Rendezvous. That's a move. Um, I feel like... Yeah, we met on Vu. It's yeah, fucking literally. hot. I feel like if I'm meeting up with someone after only a minimum amount of messages, it has to be like a mandatory background check. That's fair. Google post, in 2022. You have to post your uh, IG. Yeah. No, you have to like link your IG and other social medias. Info. But like, also, like, you're able to, like, pick a public place, you know? And, like, you're able to say, like, if they're, like, hey, you should, you know, if they're, like, in this rendezvous app, rendezvous app and being, like, a weirdo, it's, like, come over to my house. It's, like, no, you're a psychopath. You're going to probably hang up my skin on a rack. But, like, hey, can we get a coffee shop, a bar, or whatever you're most comfortable with? And you fucking make a play. Because you, you, gone are the days of the, hey, how are you? Doing well. Okay, whatever. Those, those conversations well, you are you know ass. I never did that. I, that's why I would always, my go-to line is the McRib line. Your go-to line is absurd. And it worked. It works because say your go-to line. Your go-to line is, "Do you want to grab dinner or drink sometime this week?" The make ribs not going to be around forever. So here's my take on that. So chicks will laugh, laugh at that. I know, I know they'll laugh at that. It's good. It's good. But chicks find that less awkward, more appealing than a cold approach at a bar in 2022 with like the technical age yeah. when you know when they should know you've copied and pasted that it's like 60 chicks that day and they're still laughing they're like oh my god this guy's a fucking sweetheart <laughs> this guy's got game for days he's so funny buddy he's been setting that out since 2016 <laughs> i just don't get i just don't get the like the not back like the line aspect of it and in rendezvous it doesn't remove that need to have a good opener Right? You almost can't afford to say, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, what are you up to? Or, how was your weekend? You can't. You don't have a lot of messages left. You need to come out and say, what do you like to do? I like coffee. I'm going here. What's your say? Yeah, you got to. But that, you know what it's just going to be? It should be like a character limit because. I, I think both. Character yeah. limit and message limit. Because someone would just put a, their back. Send a the novel. Story. Anyway. I think it's. Rendezvous has legs. And I don't have the, the tech to design it. And I just gave the idea away to everyone who's probably going to design it for me. But if it comes out, I think it's going to move the needle. I don't know the tagline yet, though. Uh, we'll think about it. Big Chuck 99. Is there any chance the Giants take Kyle Hamilton and Sauce Gardner at 5-7? and seven? With the effect on opposing passing games it could have, would it be the best use of their premier picks? Now, I will say this. Doing Giants mock drafts, they would not be happy about that. I do not think Giants fans would be thrilled at that. They want offensive line, defensive line bad. Yeah. And I also don't... I think one of those two, like Kyle Hamilton at seven and then say an offensive lineman or, or an edge defender at five, like Kayvon Thibodeau at five, I can get behind that. But I do think double dipping there, it, it, I mean, I'm not saying it, there'd be bad selections, but I think they're they're probably in a better place to go get one of these edge guys, especially if Thibodeau falls to five, which is over under prop right now is like six and a half. Like if he falls to five, I think it's a sprint the card in situation for the Giants. Yeah, just the whole staff there coming over from the Bills, kind of how they've built. I don't think it wouldn't surprise me if they took a corner or like I said, a safety, but like the way they've drafted with defensive line heavy the, and just the strengths of this class and the offensive tackles that will be available. I think the O line D line is where they're going. I just, I would be floored if it's not an O line D line or O line corner because of the fact that corner is scarcer, more scarce, more scarce in this class. Deshaun Watson's apparently finalizing idea of finalizing um, a trade. This is according to Aaron Wilson of Pro Football Network. If Deshaun Watson waves a no-trade clause for New Orleans Saints, league sources say an offensive guard Cesar Ruiz could wind up as part of the deal. I think he's final. He's he's. It's going to be between the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints that ultimately land Deshaun Watson. That's what it's oh, looking wow. like. Browns are out. 
and it looks like the Panthers are out. I don't know how the Panthers – so we talked about the presentations. That presentation from Carolina could not have been sweet. That thing would have looked pretty rough. Yeah. I don't know how, 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 how Dolly that would have been. I don't even know if Dolly's a great, great word to Charlotte's a user. cool city, though. Charlotte's a cool city. But New Orleans? Atlanta? Yeah. I mean, you're not competing. You're not even competing close. Now, and they have better rosters, all that shit. I mean, what, what's going to happen, though, if he goes to the Saints? I mean, if the Saints, you trade away. I mean, you trade away Cesar Ruiz. And if you can't fit Teron Armstead back in the fold, is their offensive line that much better than Carolina's? I think it is still. It is still probably, but like you're you're losing a lot there. I'll just say. Brad Spielberger of PFF is saying, would guess the players Houston is interested in bringing back from New Orleans if they do trade, in addition to three first plus, Eric McCoy, Paulson Adebo, Cesar Ruiz, and Charter Johnson. CJ Gardner-Johnson, CD Deuce did just tweet four dots. Oh, it's over. Which... If he's tweeting four dots, that's not an eyeball emoji. No. Four dots is a what the fuck emoji. That, that, that's saying sayonara, see you later. I, CD dude, Deuce could is you also imagine? one of my – CD Deuce, I think, is one of my favorite players in the NFL. Oh, I love CD Deuce. CD Deuce is honestly fantastic. Makes the game incredible. Every game he's in, it's fucking awesome. Because you imagine one team getting – like you're hearing, oh, we might get Deshaun, we might get Deshaun, we might get Deshaun. And you're the guy they flip for Deshaun. <laughs> like, oh, we might get a top five. And then five you go to TV. Houston? And then you're going to Houston. I do think that the Houston oh Texans God, are would... smart to target the Saints. Are smart to target the Saints because they have a lot of talented players on rookie contracts. And we've been talking about yeah. a ton and a ton. That's not an expression either. We're talking about a lot how they're not going to be able to pay all these guys, even if they are playing well. Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I, do, I do feel that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Like I do feel that they're going to – this is it. I do, I do think the Saints are it. I think the Saints are ultimately going to land yeah. Deshaun Watson. Now, we, this this podcast might be coming out after you already signed Deshaun Watson. Like but... idiots, yeah. <laughs> it might be a brown by the time we just all said that. This, yeah, fair. This is from Mendo's QM. This guy, I think, has left more messages. We need to start tracking this shit. Are we just going to gloss over the fact that Renner said the Eagles shouldn't draft a wide receiver because they have Jalen Rager? When did you say that? I said... If you draft a similar type of wide receiver to Rager, you're giving up on him. So if you draft, it was, I believe, talking about James Williams or Chris Olave, probably one of those two. I think it was Olave, actually. Like, if you draft that speed threat, that, like, vertical guy in your offense, you've given up on what Jalen Rager could be. And I'm not the only one who's saying that maybe don't give up on a guy after two down years. Chad Johnson's been banging the table for him. He said, Eagles fans, remember what I said about Aguilar when everyone was frustrated? I said, watch him the following year. Be patient. He went bananas. Trust me. Rager is going to go crazy next year. Listen to me, please. I fucking love y'all bulls. I don't know what the bulls is. What the hell did you just say? That's what he, that's what he said. <laughs> he said bulls. What are bulls? I think that's probably I don't a typo. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does, he does say I fucking love a lot because he did say I fucking love that's you, Austin. You. Oh, can't say it. Even if you quote him. Oh really? Oh, that's two. Yeah, that's two. That's forty bucks to St. Jude's. Someone, someone's responded to that comment and said St. Jude's is like an alt-left liberal disaster. Better look into this charity. I, I have to. Like I, I've been donating to St. Jude's a are you, lot. Are you donating to Antifa? I don't know what's going on here. Uh, I'm gonna look into it though. If like there's a better children's hospital charity, that's where I lean, man. Children's hospital is where I lean. I, if you have one, let me know. This is from Kid Racer Four. What has been your opinion of Kevin Colbert's free agent and draft record? I'm typing this after he signed Trubisky to a potential high-dollar deal, Mason Cole to a three-year deal, Chooks a core four to a deal, seventh high pay is right tackle in the NFL, signing mostly after thoughts free agents that often didn't pay it out. In addition, he's dra- 
he's drafted reaches and or positions of low value in the top 100 picks. Why hasn't he gotten any negative opinions on his draft history? Now, I don't think Kevin Colbert has made a lot of phenomenal moves. Now, they do scout receiver well. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, they've done a really good job at scouting, evaluating, and developing receiver talent. Outside of that, I, I, the David DeCastro, I mean, they have had some hits, right? It hasn't just been a disaster for Kevin Colbert. I will say this probably to the day I'll die. Mike Tomlin's one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. What he's done to maintain playoff play for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last X amount of years is absolutely insane. Given the fall off of Big Ben, given the lack of help from Kevin Colbert, this has been utterly impressive. Now, they did you know, they did draft TJ Watt. I mean, there's a lot of wins that they've had. It's not like Kevin Colbert's been as bad as Steve Kime, who just got that extension through 227. But I do think that Mike Tomlin continues to lift the floor and the ceiling of that team. Again, he's one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. He's, he's top five for me. Top five, easy for yeah. me. Yeah, I, I do tend to agree. Like, So they have not been massive players for agency over the course of his tenure. They've That's not really been their MO. And he's drafted fine. Like I think it's he hasn't gotten a lot of flack because obviously they win. They've won a lot. And who you want to give credit to, that's your take. I give, like I said, I'm with you. I give a little more credit to Mike Tomlin. I think he holds a lot of pieces together that may not always be the best pieces. So I give a little more credit there. But if you compare his draft track record to this basically average NFL, I think he's above average even still. But the odd thing about them is they're one of the least analytically driven front offices in terms of uh, drafting, scouting, decision-making in the league. And it's how you can – and so they don't have, like, cutoffs. They don't have athletic thresholds. They don't covet age or whatever. That's how you can draft Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree in the first round. Two, two opposite ends of the spectrum athletically in term, and two opposite ends of the spectrum production in college. They were just vastly different pay- players. But it's just – they see a guy, they like a guy, they draft a guy. They watch the tape, and that's what they base their sort of scouting, entire scouting process off of. So I, I don't think he's – I don't think he's deserving of a ton of flack. Like, obviously, he's made some bad moves. I don't think he's been great by any means. But if you just look at him in a sort of the baseline or in terms of the average NFL evaluator – has a far worse as a worse hit rate than Kevin Colbert. So I think that's why you're going to see him not get a ton of flack. So like that him retiring I don't think it's going to be a massive like hit for this team and roster. Not really the lasting sort of impact you want though with this last year of free agency being kind of a wet fart for lack of a better word. That's like honestly the worst word. <laughs> there have. are better words actually. For lack of a better word, find anything else. Oh. Dry fart. Sebastian Assing. Speaking of wet fart, which player could you trade up for in the upcoming draft since we know that QB won't be a pick and which team could be in the market for such a move? The one I keep, I mean, not to keep harping on Derek Stingley, but one of these corners, because I've talked about you want the top three. You want McDuffie, you want Stingley, you want Sauce. Sauce is probably going to go high. We've I think that everyone and their mother will agree on that. Stingley and McDuffie could fall. Now, you get one of those guys falling outside to where the range of the Eagles, or if two of them are falling to the Eagles, and the Eagles were likely to take one of them, but like you're the Bills, you're the Patriots, you're someone in the 20s who that guy might not make it past Pittsburgh. It might not make it to you. At that point, 
I want one of those three. I want one of those guys. I think they're that good at cornerback. So I think cornerback's the one I could see a team trading up for. And like I said, those would be the teams I'd highlight. Without highly anticipated quarterbacks in this draft, there's even a good possibility in trading down for more picks. Are teams even going to look for that? I do think that the trade downs this year will be discounted. Yeah, you're not going to see a Bears move where I, I don't think a future first gets moved in this draft. I would be floored if it does. But there's always trades. Everyone always locks in on someone. And some of that's because, back to what I mentioned about boards being people, a lot of people taking guys off their board. Sometimes guys trade up because they don't have a lot of guys on their board that they would draft if it got to them. Like, that they need, that they only have maybe they're sitting at pick 25 or whatever have you. And it's like, I have one more guy with the first round grade on my board and he's five picks away from us. I, might, I think I have to go get him. And I think that's a lot of times what you see happen with trades is that teams have taken so many guys off their board, so many guys that they would not draft, even if they did fall to them, that they feel like they have to make that move. This is, oh, you're oh, saving Rod Dinger. Oh, yeah, sorry. This is from John Binner on Twitter. Last one for the, for the pod. Draft hypothetical. Both New York teams go all in on O-line. Jets grab Evan Neal, Tyler Linderbaum at 4-10. and 10. Giants grab Ike Aquanu to play guard and Charles Cross at seven. Which O-line would you rather have going forward? That one's, this one's easy to me. It's the Jets. Jets could have, you draft Linderbaum and Neal. You'd have a, after signing Lincoln Tomlinson, after drafting Elijah Vera Tucker in the first last year, after drafting Kai Beckton in the first year prior. Maybe not year one, but year two, that could be the best offense line in the NFL. So give me the Jets in that scenario. I'm giving. I'm taking the Jets as well. I think the Jets. You need Mackay Beckton healthy, but I'm taking the Jets as well. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. The bonus mailbag. Make sure rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you do want your listener mailbag, your listener question on the mailbag episode. The other thing I'll mention too is the speak pipes. Speakpipe.com/tailgate, which is available in our description. You guys are overloading us with trash. You guys are coming at us and not dropping us any questions. You guys are saying things like. Mike Ritter's mom's got a, I don't know. It, it was a weird one that I can't even mention on the pod. My mom's got what now? It's, it's not great. It's not great. My mom, my dad, your mom. Your dad never gets any shade. Probably because he's a perfect individual. Doc. I love your dad. The Such doc. a good dude. Yeah. Such a good dude. Guy gets absolutely tanked every time I see him, but in a good way. My dad does the same, but then he gets behind the wheel. I, I, I do think that the speak pipes need to be better. They need you questions. You're coming in. You're coming in too hot. We need questions on the speak pipes. But until next time, when we get back, it'll be fresh off of uh, chili cheese tots, Miller Lights, and a tequila soda's bender. So looking forward to that. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, tailgate.